Welcome to this week's Energy Show. This week's show is all about the Green New Deal. Now, candidly, I'm all for some of it and not so enthusiastic about some of these parts that aren't really specifically green. Now, I read the whole 14 pages of House Resolution 109, the Green New Deal. (laughs) I read this stuff and summarize it, so unless you got a lot of spare time on your hands, you don't have to. So here's the background about the Green New Deal. Basically, it's a set of proposed economic stimulus programs in the United States, and the goal is to address climate change and economic inequality. So it's kind of two things. It's it's climate change and kind of a lot of other problems that we have. Now, the green part refers to proposals to reduce the impacts of climate change. It mostly deals with renewable energy and energy efficiency, but it's kind of energy of, of all clean sorts. Now, candidly, I, I'm biased. I've been working in the solar industry and the energy efficiency industry since 1977. So I think most of these things are, you know, at least as far as the energy side, they're almost all good. And who am I to say the parts aren't good? They are missing some things that I think are still important. We'll talk about that. Now, the New Deal part refers to a set of social economic reforms and public works projects that are undertaken. These are like history. If you read your history books, had social studies in high school, um, I, I paid a little bit of attention. And these were all these, these things that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt did in response to the Great Depression. And basically, he said, we're going to create something called the Civilian Conservation Corps, the Civil Works Administration, and the Social Security Administration, because people, there's a depression. People didn't have jobs. They needed money. They wanted something to do. Um, heck, I remember going camping, and we would stay in these cabins, and they were made by the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps. It's very cool. Now, the Green New Deal is a term coined by journalist and author Thomas Friedman. He's a columnist in the New York Times. He's written a lot of really good books. He coined this back in 2007. Now, the concept bounced around and evolved for, heck, a dozen years. Um, And then Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, which, which people refer to her as, and Senator Ed Markey released a 14-page resolution for their Green New Deal on February 7, 2019. So they basically created this resolution, and that's that's kind of what we're talking about, even though the concept's been bounced around. Now, kind of look at this Green New Deal, and it really appeals to some people, but it's going to get really strong opposition from others. Now, just the concept of green and climate change is opposed by a lot of Republicans. Um, and they, they see green. I mean, heck, we never even painted our trucks green because there were some people who, who didn't believe in global warming would see a green truck and say, I'm not talking to that company. That's why we use black and yellow. But, you know, nevertheless, many people believe that climate change is real and, and, and included in that many people are 97% of climate scientists. But there's some skeptics and they have some points. And many people believe that new technologies like wind, solar, battery storage, electric vehicles, even carbon capture and sequestration, new types of nuclear power, and certainly the new electric grid, they can dramatically slow and eventually reverse global warming. I mean, there's probably less argument about that where we can actually change the situation than, you know, an argument about was climate change really bad or are we causing it? The concept of the New Deal, forget about the Green Deal, the New Deal reminds people People of big government. And a lot of Republicans are opposed to big government. Indeed, the New Deal part of this plan that, that was introduced in February 2019, the New Deal part includes things like universal health care, higher minimum wages, and widespread unionization. It doesn't really have anything to do with, with climate change, but it's kind of in that plan. It's the New Deal part of the plan. All right. So looking at this whole 14-page resolution, there's two big parts of it. There's a lot of whereas's describing the problem. And then after you kind of get through all these whereas's, we kind of get to the proposed solution. So I'm going to start with the whereas's. I'm going to read 
a lot of this. I'm going to leave a lot of it out, but just so you can see what's involved. All right, here we go. Whereas the October 2018 report entitled Special Report on Global Warming of 1.5 Degrees C by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and the November 2018 Fourth National Climate Assessment Report found that, one, human activity is the dominant cause of observed climate change, two, changing climate is bad, and three, mass migration, lost economic output, wildfires, coral reefs, heat stress, public infrastructure along coasts, all these things are having problems. I'm kind of you know, summarizing here. And I have to also add in that this special report was done by the government. This is a, a Washington, D.C. White House report, even though they're kind of reluctant. All right, so I kind of look at this. Now, fundamentally, okay, right off the top, some people are just going to disagree with the concept of climate change. So I'm not going to get into that debate here. But that's the first whereas, that climate change is a problem. All right. Second, whereas because the United States has historically been responsible for a disproportionate amount of greenhouse gas emissions, having emitted 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions through 2014 and has a high technological capacity, the United States must take a leading role in reducing emissions through economic transformation. Well, probably all of that is true. Um, We probably, we have the biggest economy, we've emitted the most greenhouse gases, and we have a lot of technological capacity. But have to remember, this is kind of also not all bad. We did a lot of good along the way. We shouldn't be punished for having a big economy. I mean, this is what everybody else strives for. Now, unfortunately, this is what's really unfortunate, the U.S. current U.S. policies making America great again, kind of forgetting about the rest of the world, and and also probably more specifically, pulling out of worldwide efforts to mitigate climate change is going to make this, whereas, very difficult for the White House to pallet. They're just going to basically say, hey, we don't believe in climate change and we don't want to do anything. It's the rest of the world's problem. So that's a problem. Okay. Next, whereas. Whereas the United States is currently experiencing several related crises with life expectancy declining, wage stagnation, anti-labor policies, inadequate resources for public sector workers, income inequality, racial wealth divide, gender earnings gap, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to just go on to the next whereas because it's kind of more of the same. Climate change, pollution, environmental destruction that have all exacerbated systemic racial, regional, social, environmental, and economic injustices by disproportionately affecting indigenous peoples, communities of color, migrant communities, deindustrialized communities, depopulated rural communities, the poor, low-income workers, women, the elderly, the unhoused, people with disabilities, and youth. Okay, not going to really, it's kind of a big list there. I'm not going to really go into this, but... um. These problems are not all because climate change. It's not all because of poor energy policy. There's a lot of other things that government um, did or government could have done to mitigate some of these problems. Um, They they are problems, um, but, you know, solving climate change isn't necessarily going to solve it. My perspective on it, but, you know, solving these injustice problems, they're bad and anti-labor policies and things like that, shouldn't explicitly be part of any climate change solution. Now, nevertheless, I realize why these issues are in this proposed bill. And, you know, that's kind of something to keep in mind, that these issues are thrown into the bill because it gains a lot of support from a lot of people um, who are concerned about it. And, you know, that's characterized by the far left and, and the left community. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's that's not going to be opposed, that's going to be opposed by Republicans and people on the right. Okay, next, whereas. Whereas climate change constitutes a direct threat 
to the national security of the United States. Now, in some ways, yes. Um, maybe this is a bone to defense hawks. You know, they're talking about the fact that there's going to be um, more issues and, and more national security problems if climate change gets worse and countries start to suffer and we're going to have to send our, our ships and planes overseas to kind of help the United States. Um, you know, is, is, is Mexico going to invade us because uh, we're not as hot as they are? And is Canada going to go south over the border because it's getting too warm? Who knows? But um, that's kind of ridiculous. But I, I think um, this, this is a national security thing that's kind of thrown in. All right. Next, whereas, this is the last whereas, we're almost there. Whereas the federal government led mobilizations during World War II and the New Deal created the greatest middle class that the United States has ever seen, but many members of frontline and vulnerable communities, we talked about that earlier in the previous couple of whereases, were excluded from many of the economic and societal benefits of these mobilizations. Well, yeah, the economy did mobilize during World War II, and that more than anything got us out of the Great Depression. There are some things that were in the, the New Deal that we just kind of had to do. Social Security, everybody benefits from that. But, you know, these are facts now, at least the first part of it was facts. Um, are, are these vulnerable communities excluded from these things? Well, they may not have been properly included, but I don't think there was really a lot of exclusion, like, you know, saying to people in certain parts of the country, hey, you just can't um, benefit. So anyway, that's the bundle of the whereas is now. All right, now we get to the resolutions. Resolved that it's the sense of the House of Representatives that it is the duty of the federal government to create a Green New Deal to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions through a fair and just transition for all communities and all workers and to create millions of good, high-quality jobs. All right, realistically, this is the concept is good. Most people are going to benefit. They're not all going to be high-paying jobs, and also some jobs are going to be lost. But they're going to be jobs. Heck, in the solar industry, for a dozen years, we've been talking about putting people to work, installing solar panels. Even if the solar panels aren't made in the U.S., we're creating a lot of really good jobs. and you know, Make more money doing this, and it's better for the environment than digging coal out of the ground. Okay, to keep going with the resolutions. To secure for all people of the U.S. for generations to come clean air and water, climate and community resiliency, healthy food, access to nature, and a sustainable environment, and to promote justice and equity by stopping current, preventing future, and repairing historic oppression of indigenous peoples, communities of color, migrant communities, deindustrialized communities, depopulated rural communities, the poor, low-income workers, women, the elderly, the unhoused, people with disabilities, and youth. Okay. As I said before, it's not clear how or why going green is going to necessarily solve all these problems. But if we do have an aggressive job creation program that's upgrading the grid, putting in wind systems, putting solar everywhere, EVs, electric vehicle charging stations, all those, they're going to create a lot of jobs. And, you know, the way capitalism is, is if the jobs are there and you want it, you go for it. And maybe there's not jobs where you live and maybe you're going to have to move. Our country's had a lot of mobilization of people moving from place to place. So you might have to move where there's more jobs. Okay. All right. Keep going. They want a 10-year mobilization that will require the following goals and projects. Building resiliency against climate change-related disasters, repairing and upgrading infrastructure in the U.S., meeting 100% of the power demand in the U.S. through clean, renewable, and zero-emission sources, 
upgrading all existing buildings, spurring massive growth in clean manufacturing, working collaboratively with farmers and ranchers to remove pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from the agricultural sector as much as technologically feasible, overhauling transportation systems, removing gas from the atmosphere by restoring natural ecosystems, soil, carbon storage, land preservation, and this thing called afforestation, which we talked about. Okay, these are all really good. There's some things that aren't included, like carbon capture and sequestration, if that possibly works. Um, and this 10-year plan, 10-year plan is just basically for us to get started, but heck, we got to the moon in 10 years. As far as meeting 100% of the power demand, California is on target to do that. We're going to do that in California. Um, you know, as far as some of these other things about re- reducing greenhouse gas emissions from the agricultural sector, I mean, heck, maybe what we do is we capture methane emissions from from cows and turn that methane into a, some kind of a fuel. Um, now, now, looking at what we're doing in the farming sector, afforestation and land preservation, there's things that we can do that, that um, allows trees and certain kind of plants to absorb more carbon dioxide and then those trees and plants are not subsequently burned which which releases it so it's possible all right Uh, next item of the resolution restoring and protecting threatened endangered and fragile ecosystems through locally appropriate and science-based projects that enhance biodiversity and support climate resiliency good idea a lot of these things aren't necessarily going to help the climate um, and, and I know that people, um, a lot of Republicans, kind of push back against doing some of these environmental things at the expense of doing things that are going to basically just directly being creating jobs. All right. The Green New Deal will require the following goals and projects. Ensuring that the federal government takes into account the complete environmental and social costs and impacts of emissions. That's a good one. Um, providing resources, training, and high-quality education. That's good. Making public investments in R&D of new clean and renewable energy technologies and industries. And directing investments to spur economic development. We've been doing all of these things kind of stopped over the last couple of years mostly, but they're all great ideas that California and other states are doing them. So these things make sense. They're going to work. They're going to create jobs. And then uh, item G here, resolution, ensuring that the Green New Deal creates high quality union jobs. I'm going to just take out the word union and I want to create high quality jobs. And if unionization is something that's appropriate or necessary or people want to do, that's fine. Um, Don't want to keep people from unionizing but don't want to require that every Green New Deal job is a union job. I mean, heck, I'd have to raise my prices in the solar industry doing installations by 25% if every single person at my company had to be unionized, and it doesn't really necessarily change anything in terms of the economics. Um, All right, next, guaranteeing a job with a family-sustaining wage adequate family and medical leave, paid vacations and retirement security for all people in the United States. Well, guaranteeing jobs is is pretty far along the, the spectrum of socialism. So I think that's a real stretch to be done on the back of solving climate change. These benefits are really expensive. If we say that we have to guarantee a job for everybody and you know, save the climate, uh, it could cost twice as much as we let capitalism take the right approach and, and made sure that people were really hungry for those jobs and, and taking the right jobs um, and, and making them work for it. Okay. Strengthening and protecting the rights of all workers to organize, unionize, and collectively bargain. Now, as I said before, why only unions? 
Why, why, why? Let's, let's also care about the majority of non-union workers in the U.S. Next, strengthening, enforcing labor, workplace health and safety, anti-discrimination, wage and hour standards across all employers, industries, and sectors. Yeah, some of this, the safety is really important to me. Um, I think making rules more rational is, are, are good. I'm generally in favor of less regulation. I mean, heck, I experience how regulation has already suppressed the solar industry so substantially. All right. Next, uh, to grow domestic manufacturing in the United States, providing all people in the U.S. with high-quality health care, affordable, safe, and adequate housing, economic security, clean water, clean air, healthy food, and access to nature. Okay, these are all really good goals, but boy, you know, it's not necessarily green and not necessarily evil, easily achievable without a gazillion dollars. Okay, so here's kind of where I come down on this. The political reality some, I would say over half of this are really great ideas. I, I would just get 100% behind. Um, it's very aspirational. So kind of at this early stage where they're looking at what to do, um, I think it's a good idea to say we want to just solve these really big problems in a really big way. It's kind of like the moonshot. Um, we had no clue how to get to the moon. Um, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with many of the whereases and the subsequent re- resolutions. But you know, my personal opinion is I strongly disagree with the way that a lot of these other goals are tacked on. Now, not that these goals are bad, not that these goals are not oriented towards solving real problems that are hurting people or real problems that are preventing people from getting, having more opportunities. They just kind of confuse the issue. And, and, you know, when the issue is confused and we're conflating solving climate change with, with, Solving the poverty problem in the country, that's going to make it really hard. And and I, I just see immediately what happens is by putting some of these things in there, there's opposition to the entire plan. You know, the Republicans, as many Republicans are come out really strongly against it. It's nonsense. You know, not only do some Republicans oppose climate change, but many Republicans just really are, are not looking at, at implementing these social programs. So it's just like a big no for them. And it's creating a lot of opposition. So, you know, looking at this more specifically, I think a lot of Republicans support goals like transforming our electrical sector. There's tremendous benefits for business there. More solar, more wind, more energy storage. Um, But when it comes to something that's going to create more regulations, um, more requirements, more unionization, especially things that are going to be so expensive, opposition is going to be really steep. So take a step back. What's going to happen? Well, this whole plan is going to raise political awareness of the problem. So I think half of these things are going to become eventually the final platform at the Democratic Party. I think that's really good. Some of these things are, are you know, are going to be, a lot of them are going to be toned down a lot so they can be at least in some way palatable. But also I think what, what's going to be another big benefit is because of all the awareness and publicity of the green part of the New Deal, I think this Green New Deal is going to force some Republicans to adopt some elements of the plan. So, yeah, this plan, the Green New Deal, they talk about cap and trade and carbon tax. I mean, that's been, um, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's anathema to Republicans. But now some Republicans are saying, gee, you know, this cap and trade is working in California. It worked for um acid rain problem we had that solved the acid rain problem so it does work i mean anything that has the the, the tax word in it is bad but these these solutions do work so i think what's going to happen is there's going to be less opposition to renewables to solar to wind to you know transforming the grid because that creates jobs and that also is very lucrative for companies that are doing it um, what also is going to happen is I think that because there's more focus on this, and if 
focus on this worldwide. I mean, there's only so long that, that people can com- completely denying climate change as, as the water just keeps getting higher in some places. It's going to force some of the absolute climate deniers farther to the periphery of the Republican platform, farther to the far right. So Republicans are less likely to fight against policies designed to reduce global warming, especially if they can make money at it. So I think in four years, um, some of this is going to be implemented. Why four years? Well, we're going to probably have two more years of the Trump administration. So all these environmental goals and certainly all the social goals are kind of dead on arrival. But possibly in two more years, if we have a new president, it's going to take that new president a few years to get um, some of these things put in place. President Obama had a lot of these plans in, in place. It wasn't. It was called. Uh, it was called the Clean Power Plan, and and obviously be part of the um, global uh, climate change community in the Paris Agreement. So that that's going to kind of I think come back in in two to four years. In the meantime, it makes for a very positive construction distraction from the political chaos we're experiencing now. So finally, there's a big push to transform our energy sector. And it's going to create millions of new jobs as we do it. With the right training policies, we can indeed put people to work who haven't or who are underemployed or unemployed. And that's the key to the Green New Deal. I hope Congress in two to four years makes a push to transform our energy sector. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's energy show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you miss any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast.